My name is Quentin Irie. And I'm James King. And this is the show for those of us starting from scratch and trying not to screw things up too badly as we do. Every episode, one of us brings a topic, though that'll be different this time, from our lives that the other has not yet heard, and we explore that thought and many other tangents along the way. Y'all, this week is pretty different. This, our episode five, I believe, or so, five or six. 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 Episode six will be. Get it right a guest we will feature our first guest we're very excited uh this is a a person that we both known for a little while i think probably the same amount of time we both met met julia when we were in the league i think right in cfca back high school debate Mm -hmm. great person great artist we'll read her bio here even though we know her uh let's see four top 50 singles texas red dirt radio more than 100 acoustic performances per year and six years of solo performances under her belt she's 21 years old recently awarded the 2018 new female vocalist of the year at the texas regional radio music awards julia has already made quite the statement in the music industry of a semi-finalist at the international songwriting competition at only 14 her talent was evident early on beginning piano at age six as well as writing songs and playing the guitar at 13 her musical accomplishments continue to grow to show she is truly a jack of all trades. So, as you can see, reputation precedes her. We're very excited to have Julia here on the show today. Absolutely, yeah. We're extremely grateful to have Julia on. I think at this point, she's really the one doing us a favor by gracing us with her presence. Yes, yes. And, you know, she's at a a very interesting point in her career. It's kind of fun to watch someone that you knew in high school go on to do these really cool things so i'm excited to dig in more into the details that i'm just totally unaware of and ignorant to uh with julia a guest a someone else to do the heavy lifting or someone with an audience for you to leech off of probably both the ep is coming out soon i've had a couple albums before that but i'm just now finding my niche and so, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm in a huge turning point career-wise. It's one of those things where I was trying to find my sound, trying to figure out, you know, where that sound belonged as far as genre. I went from more of a classic country sound, went into Red Dirt, released four singles to Red Dirt, and won New Female Vocalist of the Year in Texas country in the radio scene last year. What should have been like this huge moment uh, for me, it, it hit me in a way where I realized, you know, I'm I'm on a path that uh, I love and I enjoy music. I mean, it's who I am. It's what I've, you know, I've always known I'm going to do, but the particular path I'm on with it just doesn't feel right. I just had to <laughs> A come to Jesus moment. It was a it was a time of my life where everything was falling apart. It, just anything that could go wrong was going wrong right after that happened. I remember one day I was just so distraught about it, and God just put it on my heart that He'd been He'd been telling me for a while I needed to go out to Los Angeles and spend some time out there. And He said, you know, I, I've taken these other things away, so you'll go do what I told you to do. <laughs> I, I lived part time in L.A. Uh, last year. I say L.A. It was more the Hollywood area, and um just really, really took the time to develop myself as an artist because it's so hard in the music industry to balance the creative side and the artist side with the business because you, you can't just not do the business part. <laughs> and um, in the same breath, you can't just, you know, let the artist side go to the wayside because that's that's what you do. That's your joy. That's what you, you need to become really good at. And so that, that I think, was the beginning of a turning point for me. I've been doing this for seven years. It's one of those things where I started really young, which I'm thankful for, and that's the number one thing people say to me at shows who are also musicians or artists. They'll say, man, I wish I got started, you know, when I was 15. 
Uh, that's something I'm I'm just very grateful for. But yeah, it has it's taken me a while to develop the sound, the experience. But I wouldn't change that for anything going into this next chapter of my career because there's no replacement for time and experience. You can't substitute that with anything else and uh, get the same outcome. So it's uh it's been a work in progress for a while now, and things are just pedal to the metal, and I am overwhelmed. <laughs> To say the least, uh, I'm excited. It, it, it's one of those things where you feel like you're biking up a hill and you can, you know, you're almost there. <laughs> but until until the EP drops, um, there's gonna be that that pedal to the metal, lots of pressure, uh, kind of a feeling. So I'm uh, I'm trying to stick it out, try to give it all I've got, and uh, I know it'll be blessed somehow, some way. But yeah, that's uh, mm. that's a. Uh, it's interesting to look back and to think about all the avenues within music that I thought I should pursue. And although I didn't go along those different paths, I have found a home in Americana music, which just makes sense for me as an artist. So to have been searching so long for even a home where my music can be, I guess, accepted, relevant, and really I'm able to execute my vision uh, within that genre, it's just uh, that in itself is a huge relief. So I feel like... <laughs> I'm finally starting my career within Americana, and that's a that's a weird thing to say after doing it for seven years. <laughs> I find that idea really interesting. Something that you've been working on so long, and it just feels like now you're really I don't know getting serious about it is the term that comes to mind. I don't know if that's too flippant because having been able to see a lot of your career, I would say that you've been serious about it for a long time. But it feels like from the way that you describe it, that you've always kind of felt like you were maybe in flux or like you didn't really have a firm identity in what you were doing and that you have that now. Is that accurate? Yeah, I totally would agree with that. That's one of those things where it's all the the experience and the preparation and the development of yourself as an artist, making sure you're willing to stick it out. Because usually that, that prep time is where a lot of people fall off the bandwagon because it's it's rough but to have had that and now be able to go into a career with experience that a lot of people don't get to have before their career really starts I, I see a lot of artists who you know start start doing the music thing they get successful very quickly and then before you know it they realize I, I can't do this it's one of those things where I, <laughs> I've been doing it and I'm like yeah throw it at me whatever <laughs> Like nothing's impossible. Uh, I uh, I went to Discount Tire earlier this year. I have to go there a lot. And I called my dad and I said, "Hey, they're telling me I need to replace all four of my tires." He said, "No, no, no, no. You don't need to do that. But, you know, that's going to be expensive, and I don't I don't think your tires are are ready to all be replaced." He said, "Ask them how many miles you've put on your tires uh, since you've been driving this car." And this is my grandma's Lincoln Town car. <laughs> <laughs> I asked him, I said, so what, what's the mileage on this inside, you know, ha- the last time I got him replaced? He said, in the last year and about four months, he put over 50,000 miles on him. My dad was like, yep, you wow. should replace them. <laughs> it's just the miles. It's the it's the carrying all the heavy equipment, playing to crowds who, you know, don't really care. You have to put yourself in situations that are very uncomfortable. There's been a lot of meltdowns over the years, <laughs> but uh, thankfully I just felt such a strong call in my life to do this, and um, so much of it is just stamina. 
I mean, that's that's where I think a lot of artists end up giving up on on their dream is they just the stamina is too much for them to give and uh, there have been there have been moments where you know I, I wish I had a, didn't have this calling but then I think about how much of my identity is what I do and what I feel my purpose is and you, you can't give that up that's just uh it's like a curse <laughs> a blessing and a curse do I'm curious that... as a music oh actually go ahead no no it's my it's my turn it's my turn <laughs> um <laughs> As, as a musician myself, I was kind of curious, first, where you first developed your interest for music, I guess, and then second, you know, where you decided you wanted to pursue that as a career. Were those two separate realizations or were those kind of one and the same for you? They were definitely separate, definitely separate. I, uh, I told my mom when I was five, I said, I want to learn to play guitar. And she said, OK, well, take two years of piano. Um, get the theory down, and we can you know, switch over to guitar. I took eight years of piano, and one day, after you know multiple teachers over those eight years, one of them walked out of the room and s- told my mom, he said, your daughter doesn't know how to read music. And she was just so confused. She, she said she's been taking lessons for eight years. There's no way she doesn't know how to read music. <laughs> he said, no, she's been playing by ear for eight years and faking it. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, at the time, that was a very dark day at the Hatfield house, but <laughs> looking back on it, um, as I went on to play and learn the theory through guitar around 12 or 13, I'm very thankful to have developed that ear. I, I honestly, I hated piano when I was young, just because I, it was so much pressure to have to fake it every week. <laughs> but then, I was, uh, 15, I went to a concert, and, uh, I met the artist who was performing and that night I just really felt God put it very strongly on my heart that that's what I was supposed to be doing. I even have a a journal entry in a prayer journal that very night where it says thank you God for showing me what I'm supposed to do and basically I hit the ground running at that point and haven't looked back. (laughs) That's uh that's something I'm also thankful for because I, I see a lot of people around me who have a lot of passion but aren't quite sure what direction to that passion towards. That's something I, uh, my brother and I both have been so blessed with. We are both passionate about very specific things, which has allowed us to start early, I guess start our careers early and be able to experience a lot. Oh, that is a blessing for sure. Yeah. So music, music's always been a really big part of my life, but it wasn't until I was 15 that it, it hit me pretty hard that that was it. <laughs> Sorry, Quentin, I interrupted you. Or did I take your question? <sighs> I know, I know. I'm not over it, and we'll discuss it after the podcast. (laughs) We will have words. (laughs) (laughs) No, it actually dovetails nicely with what, uh, Julia, you were just saying there, which is, I'm curious when it comes to that drive and that purpose that you feel with something like this, uh, how much of that is tied to the level of success that you have? Like, does it, is it at all related to people listening to and receiving your music or is it for you more about the creation of the music itself well i've always said the day that i love music more than i love people then i I know something's wrong because for me as much as music is a part of me connecting with people is really what drives me within music i love being able to go places that most people feel very uncomfortable going and giving an opportunity to them to you know experience that 
or an outlet. I'm an entertainer at heart, always have been, so it shows, depending on the show, I mean, it can be extremely, extremely draining for me to not be able to connect with an audience. I mean, it is an entertainer and someone who thrives off of wanting to connect, not having that, it's suffocating. But being able to truly connect with someone, to be able to take a song that they love, strip it down, play it on an acoustic guitar, and, you know, deliver my own interpretation of it. it it's unique, it's special, it's it's very sacred because that, that person has a connection with that song. It means something to them. And to be able to hear it in a different light and meet them where they are, that's a very special, special thing for for me, that drives me more than anything, are those those moments when I can really connect with, with people. Music's great, but uh, it, it has a purpose. It's not, it's not purposeful just within itself. And I feel like that could translate into anyone's career. The loving people and being able to do something you're passionate about, talented at, and use that to, to love people or to connect with them. And to see the... <laughs> The amazing opportunities that have come from that over the years. People who tell me their stories, uh, just open up to me about things that they're struggling with, send me notes saying how much they were impacted by the music or me talking to them or whatever it was. It's just, it's endless. It's always shown to be purposeful. You can't give that up. That's the way I look at it is even if it is more than you think you can take, you can't, you can't give that up. I mean, to me, that's the purpose of why I'm here and I, if it kills me okay <laughs> at, least, at least I'll feel good about it <laughs> yeah I don't I don't know what that response was <laughs> no that's great I was gonna say it makes a lot of sense um you ending up kind of in the Americana genre as I was gonna say I was gonna ask about your process next and it sounds like with the kind of experiences you're talking about these very rich interactions with people that those kinds of, of stories and that reality mean a lot to you. I was going to ask, like, if you're in your process for composition, do you draw a lot from that? Like, you know, personal stories, personal conversations. Does that feed into your into your composition and, and feed into the, the style of music that you enjoy performing? Definitely. People have to understand when I'm having a conversation with anyone that they're giving me the right to take anything from that conversation and turn it into a song. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, be talk, right. I'll be talking to someone and they'll say one line. And immediately I'm like, ooh, that's that's a song. I, I tend to write most when I'm, I don't want to say not in a good place, but when I'm in a very just emotional place where I don't know how to uh, completely process what's going on. And so for me, writing is an outlet in that way, which makes sense because writing a song from that's, that, uh, that scenario or that that place of just feeling like you don't know how to express something. I feel like writing songs at that place allows other people to listen to it and be wherever they're at and have a way of expressing it themselves. So yeah, I, I draw from personal experience. I love to draw from all sorts of experiences. For me, a lot of what I write about is trying to encompass a feeling of something, like a place or a moment. That's somewhat difficult to do. Uh, my favorite writers are ones who can take you to a place, make you feel something, but not really ever say what it was that they were trying to convey. I think that's pretty special. Alan Jackson comes to mind. He, uh, he says just enough to get you to where you can feel the moment, you can see it. Um, but he doesn't go into too much detail to where he uh, is telling you how you should feel about it. He just provides you the opportunity to be there. I've been studying TV film acting since I was 13, and uh, my acting coach always reiterates that um, 
we don't tell the story, the audience tells the story. I think a lot of people see their art as something extremely personal, which it is, but really art is to be shared with everybody and their interpretation of it is never going to be the same as as, uh, the next person's. So you can't get too caught up in trying to make somebody feel something specific. You just have to lay it out there and give them the opportunity to accept it however they're going to. Writing is a very vulnerable thing and that's honestly, uh, a lot of people have trouble with writing because if you truly write, if you're not just talking about trucks and and girls in bikinis. A dirt road, a cold beer, a blue jeans, a red pickup, a rural noun, simple adjective. If you truly write from a place <laughs> that uh, is deep, it's it's honest and very vulnerable. A lot of a lot of people struggle with that, but for me, that's that's always been my strength because in my heart, I know I can't connect with somebody if I'm not willing to be vulnerable. If I'm not vulnerable, I can expect to have an audience who's going to do the same. And in order to have a connection, that has to be present. Um, in order for that to be impactful, your music to be impactful, that has to be present. I, I I was driving down the road the other day. I was upset about something. You know, there's rules about not texting and driving. They didn't say you couldn't write and drive. So <laughs> I think within within 30 minutes, I started 10 different songs. And I just, you have those moments where you don't know how to express something. But in those emotional moments, the vulnerability just hits you really hard. And it's really easy to say things when you write them instead of keeping it bottled inside. So, yeah, that was, that might have been a record for me. 30 minutes, start of 10 new songs. So. <laughs> That's the number to beat. Yeah. Uh, I tell I tell people don't start writing unless you want to be addicted to it the rest of your life. In one way it's therapy and another way it's uh like this this other voice inside of you that won't shut up. <laughs> it's interesting thinking about the way that those two the last two things you talked about kind of come together in the 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 idea of purpose and the the process that you take when approaching the construction of these songs and it seems to me this is occurring to me as you're talking but i'm almost wondering if it's too flippant word of the day so i kind of want to know your reaction to it but it sounds to me from what you're saying that it's almost like music is the medium or the tool that you use to connect to people. But the totality of its power or of its purpose for you is that. Meaning that if uh, in whatever unnecessarily dramatic hypothetical music was not out of reach for you or not an option, you would be perfectly happy to choose a different way to connect. Yeah, I would say that when... When it comes down to it, if music didn't allow me to connect with people the way that it does, I think that personally the joy for me would, uh, not that I don't love music, because I do, uh, but the greatest joy I have with what I do is the connecting with people. And music is just the platform I feel like was given to me to to do that. So yeah, I I would agree with that. I think a lot of people uh, would, Mm. would hear that and say, well, you're not serious about music, and it's, it couldn't be farther from the truth. That's totally what I'm meant to do. I mean, it's not like I'm going to stop having opportunities to connect with people <laughs> through music. But anything in and of itself, I feel like, is without purpose unless it, it's used as a, a way to love people, to uh, glorify God, to, to just encourage, to inspire. That's that's my big thing, is I want to inspire people. A lot of people see their art as something separate from themselves, but I feel like really art is a reflection of uh, who you are. And so I try to live my life 
like I like I live out my art. Those things are very much intertwined for me. So uh, it's it's definitely the fiber of of who I am, but. The purpose behind it. I mean, even if I'm having a conversation with uh, someone checking out at Walmart, I mean, to me, it's of the same importance of delivering uh, a meaningful message to someone in a song. It's just, it's, it's how you live your life, and it just happens to be how I, I'm supposed to live mine. So I would definitely agree with that. Going back to, you mentioned Alan Jackson earlier, and it's weird. I actually, there's a buddy of mine that goes to school here with me at Campbell University. His name is Jackson Allen. So it's like the reverse. So I always try to always make that up on the name of the country singer. But I know we disagree on, you know, the fact that George Strait is better than Alan Jackson. But it, that aside. I was just waiting on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to be wrong. Um, I'm, I'm curious who your, your biggest living inspiration is and your biggest inspiration in the past. Someone who's passed away. If you have two of those that you draw on, because I know you, you said you're greatly influenced by a lot of that, who who would you point to as, as your biggest sources of inspiration? I have a lot, but narrowing it down, that's actually pretty easy. The person who inspires me the most as an artist, or who is an artist, is still living as Dolly Parton. And then people make fun of me for this, but one of my greatest influences is Michael Jackson. Love Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting for an Americana artist to, to have Michael Jackson as a source of inspiration, but yeah, I mean, hey, whatever whatever works. I, I'm a huge fan of Michael Jackson, personally. Him and Dolly Parton both, I feel like, represent something to me that is similar to uh, what I strive for. A lot of musicians or artists conform to try and be popular, when really I believe what is unique makes you marketable. Not that that's just the end goal, but why would you sacrifice the purpose right. and the originality of what you do. Why would you sell your soul to make a buck? If you can fight even harder to be original, um, I, I feel like you have the opportunity to stand out and make history within music. And those are two artists who did just that. Very unique personalities, unique uh, approaches, and uh, people who've shaped music in such a, a huge way. I mean... You look at Bruno Mars. I mean, I love Bruno Mars. He's one of those people who has been inspired by similar artists as I have, you know, growing up on disco and funk. He's really taken that and made it a part of his music because it's a part of who he is. And Michael Jackson, Dolly Parton, those are two have, who have been really big for me in my life since I was really young, too. I was going to ask what, what you kind of grew up on, what, what music y'all listened to when you were kids. Is it a lot of country? No, actually, <laughs> I grew up uh, on primarily disco and funk, so I am big okay. on Cool in the Gang, Casey and the Sunshine Band, the Commodores, the Bee Gees, Michael Jackson. That is that is the stuff that I grew up on. Ever since I can remember, my dad and I would dance to disco and funk in the car, and uh, we still do that. <laughs> Anytime we're in the car, that's, that's awesome. what we're listening to. Uh, and then I remember being probably about 10 and I had this, I say, we, we listened to some classic country. I listened to a lot of Dolly Parton before this, but I had a little portable CD player. I was sitting in church one day, the, the service wasn't going on, <laughs> but I was listening to the FM radio on this little portable CD player, and my mom called me, and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm listening to country, and she said, oh no, we done it now. <laughs> <laughs> All the writing on the wall. Uh-huh, Yeah. Pretty much. But I'm, I'm a Hatfield. I'm a true Hatfield. My dad's side of the family is from East Tennessee, exactly the same area as where Dolly Parton's from. So 
Dolly Parton's been a big influence ever since I was young. Just being a part of the community up there that has been so impacted by her chasing her dream and, you know, bringing it back home and giving opportunities to her town to, uh, you know, make living off of all the the tourists and just everything that she's done for that community. Even uh, several years ago, there was a really bad fire up in the Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area. Dolly donated $2,000 to every single family who lost their home every month until they got into a new house, basically. And she's just... She knows what matters, and so those are the people I look up to who uh, are amazing musicians, but uh, honestly, when I hear Dolly's voice, I just tear up because it means something to me. It's a beautiful voice, but more than anything, what gets me is the fact that it's been impactful in my life, and that's that's what I want to be for somebody else. I feel like that's that's, yeah. what, that's what makes what I do important, and if you take that away, then... I don't feel like it really has any purpose. So with the weight of that ambition and the weight of these people that are inspiring you from such a young age, I imagine there must be a lot of ups and downs in that seven year period, especially just, you know, as a young person seeking out this kind of field, this kind of success and running into the constant roadblocks that plague anyone seeking that. Is that something that you experience those kinds of ups and downs, the frustrations of constantly being stopped before you even get started or finding that it's actually really hard to get people's attention when you're creating something uh, regardless of its quality and all of the plethora of other struggles that come along with the field you found yourself in? It's a constant fight, <laughs> especially, and I, I say this having really thought through it and been through it, but being a female in today's day and age in this industry is, uh, it's something. <laughs> <laughs> Especially being in the red dirt scene for as many years as I was, I just, I I got to the end of my rope and then I kept going and I kept going. But then finally, I just had to realize that the red dirt scene is so unsupportive of females. The fans, if you, if you asked any fan in the red dirt scene, one female artist, they'd say, well, there aren't many. And so they'd not be able to name anyone when honestly there are plenty of them and they're a million times more talented than a lot of the people who have made it to the top and it's uh hmm. it's just a very toxic scene for girls going into americana it's it's like being welcomed with a hug it, it's just so different because people really listen to the music and the artistry and it's not about money signs it's about the music that has changed me i'd become a very jaded bitter person uh in all honesty and i mean i kept pursuing what i thought i was supposed to do but after truly diving into americana and going to the americana festival and just meeting people who are on a mission to change the things that are wrong in the music industry right now it's so refreshing to be around people who have a mission because so many of them just go through the motions that's just not me gotta have a purpose behind it i feel like i found those people but it it definitely definitely been a lot of ups and downs because i mean music is something i've taken seriously for so long that this also plays into it i have anxiety disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder that on top of doing what i do like even tomorrow for instance i'm gonna drive it's probably gonna take me six hours to get to my show then i'll set up by myself play for three hours by myself tear down do it again the next day and then drive to Amarillo it's a lot of time and a lot of energy and effort to be doing something all by yourself especially in a a field where you have to just put yourself out there constantly my Mm. mom was saying that the other day she was saying you know most people go to work and the world doesn't get to look at every little thing that they do but as an entertainer you're kind of exposed and 
at every angle. There's a lot of a lot of pressure in that. I mean, every song, every note, every uh, handshake. It's just you know, it, it's a lot of pressure in and of itself. But I'm the kind of person who is going to beat myself up over any little thing that I don't think is right. <laughs> so, with the added pressure of that, yeah, it's. It's been a lot of ups and downs. I'll find myself in a place where I'm right before a show even where I'm just at the end of my rope. And God just reminds me, he said, thank me for something. And so I'll thank him that I am have so much to do that I'm this tired. Thankful that I have this show. I'm thankful that I'm able to do what I love and that he has a reason for me to be at the show tonight. <laughs> and it, it changes your perspective pretty quick because once again, it just it reminds you of that that purpose. I, I've learned that if you're in the, the down part, <laughs> you have to uh, really thank God during those times so you can get to the next step and, and know that it has a purpose. But yeah, it's it's constant up and down. It just, it, it's all about perspective. The OCD and the anxiety factor have been very, very hard for me uh, doing what I do. Very, very hard. The hardest thing is when you uh, feel like you've been having an anxiety attack for, you know, 24 hours and your body is just completely exhausted. You feel like you you aren't in a place that you can rationalize and then having to get up, sing in front of people, entertain them, and act like everything's okay. And that's, that's rough, especially, you know, being alone. In a lot of those situations that I can think of some circumstances in particular that felt like it was going to be more than I could I could do. I don't know if this is getting into too much. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, back in the spring, um, I want to say like the end of March, beginning of April, I was burning the candle at both ends and I was so depleted, I guess would be the word. It got to the point where I was on a phone call with my mom, bawling my eyes out before I had to go sing, you know, trying to make it to where I didn't look terrible when I, you know, got to the venue. She said, Julia, you were your anxiety is so bad right now that you're at a place where you're not even able to rationalize and we need to get that fixed. For me, I never thought that was that was possible. I thought that was going to be just the ups and downs of my life with anxiety and OCD. I ended up, this is getting into a lot, but I'm fine to talk about it. So if y'all don't, if y'all don't mind, I'll talk about it. Sure, 100%. I ended up uh, talking to a psychiatrist um, in San Antonio who was really able to, to help me get back to a better place. I still struggle with it every day. And he told me, he said, you know, a lot of your anxiety contributes to who you are as far as your personality, your creativity. And, you know, that's something you never want to, you, you don't want to sacrifice but you need to be in a healthy place, which I haven't been in a healthy place for two years at least. <laughs> just I'm just now getting back there. Anyway, I ended up uh, taking some medications that have helped me because my, my brain doesn't produce serotonin, and so I'm in a lot better place than I was six months ago, that's for sure. And now I'm very thankful in Amarillo next week. I am singing um, at a movie premiere. The movie raises awareness for mental health, especially in youth. And then I'm going to be going around to different colleges and schools. And that's going to be the start of me uh, doing public speaking, talking about my experience with OCD and anxiety disorder. And it's all because of my music. It, It all threads in there together. So I'll go perform and then be able to talk to a group about about that specifically. It's cool to see how God works. He doesn't let anything go without a reason or a purpose. And that's, that's just what I have to remind myself in those 
those rough times. Yeah, no, that's incredible. I'm wondering, because something like this, I think, is is very relevant right now. I don't know if, if you've heard anything about this, but for the last maybe year or so, there's been a big conversation online about creator burnout, specifically with people who create things online, whether that's YouTube or Patreon or all these other different online communities. And this idea of constantly creating, constantly interacting, constantly pushing stuff out, uh, and people that have uh, existing mental health concerns, feeling those be exacerbated, and those that are otherwise undiagnosed, feeling feeling those things start to come on, and feeling things start to uh, start to be created by the stressful environment. And so there's these conversations around how to how to handle that and how to react. You know, what do you do, and what kind of what kind of pressures do people need to be aware of when they're coming into that space? And I think you've already kind of addressed a lot of that indirectly. But I'm wondering, as someone who's like really just recently coming through what sounds like a period of intense burnout and stress and and depression, what would you say to to someone who is either in that space or is uh, very much in danger of approaching that space with the level of work they're trying to take on to either avoid it or come out of it in the in the first place? That's a great question. I've always put so much pressure on myself. Uh, being OCD, I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> and so every little thing, I just, you know, it's a big deal in my mind and I, I try to do my best, but I put way too much pressure on myself. I mean, I have, I'm surrounded by an industry who basically, regardless of how much pressure you put on on yourself it'll tell you you're not doing enough and I guess what really has kept me well, not going to those places but has given me an opportunity to come out of those places has been the people who have just been really big supports for me and I say that knowing that a lot of people aren't blessed with that same support system which completely breaks my heart I guess having having people who can tell you hey they'll say hey Julia you know you uh I'm worried about you you need to remember to eat today <laughs> Uh, remember that you can't just not sleep. You know, it's just all these these things. I basically have to be babied in order to be an adult. <laughs> I got to the point, and still I'm coming out of it, I'm trying to eat regularly. I haven't eaten regularly in like two years, and being on the road doesn't help that. Sleeping regularly, yeah. that's near impossible doing what I do, just because every day is totally different, but Try to find somebody who can, it doesn't even have to be a whole group of people. The people who care the most about you, just remember to lean into that support system. And it breaks my heart to think that there's anybody out there who doesn't have somebody who uh, who would be there for them like that. And that's where, that's where I try to be that for other people too. A good friend of mine who struggles with something very similar to what I do, I mean, just check in on each other and remind each other of the, of the big picture. That when you... you feel like you're struggling from the burnout that you you just don't have anything left to give that everything's okay people always say everything's going to be okay and that's that I don't believe that I believe everything is just okay it's fine right now like everything is okay you are where you're supposed to be your life has purpose what you do has purpose it's okay to you know just take a moment and do something for you and if you can find those people who will remind you to take those moments and remind you of your worth I think anybody who's ever See my brother and I together, 
we'll see that we are we're very much like twins. But something that Jake always reminds me of is my worth. You beat yourself up a lot in this industry, and it never fails. I can call Jake, and he always reminds me of my worth. And I, I come out feeling like, wow, I'm like I, everything's okay. And I, I guess also advice I'd give is be careful of how much pressure you're putting on yourself because it's a slippery slippery slope before you know it you'll realize you've really overdone it you are in control we live in a society where we think everybody else controls how we're seen what we should do how we should feel so just be honest be vulnerable and recognize where you're at don't just push it down because <laughs> it'll come back up so yeah i don't know if any of that was really advice as much as uh relaying my experience with that. I've always told people, you know, I'm willing to talk to anybody if they're having a hard time. I mean, that's a big deal. And I've been blessed to have people who are there for me and to be there for somebody else, I feel like is, you know, just returning the favor. The pressures will get to you, that's for sure. Absolutely. No, I think that's something that a lot of people relate to inside and outside of those in the creative field. You know, there's a reason that depression and all that is on the rise. People are feeling this really hard right now. Well, very, very timely message. Yeah. 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 Uh, people hear the word therapy and they, you know, shrink away from it. Get it? Shrink away. That was pretty funny. <laughs> um, anyway, people hear that <laughs> word and they... Oh, I just got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So they they think, well, I don't need that. I don't need therapy. I've been in and out of therapy since I was 12. First and foremost, it was for, you know, being diagnosed with all those different conditions, being barely able to leave the house. I needed therapy. <laughs> but sometimes you just need to sit down and talk to somebody and not feel judged for it and, uh, and figure out why you're feeling the way you're feeling. So if you're going to invest in anything other than your career. I feel like that's that's just as much a component of it. You've got to take care of you. And I, I think it's hilarious that I'm saying this because I am the queen of not taking care of me. But uh, <laughs> So I know better, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It feels good to be in a good place. And if you could do that on your own, that's great. And if you need some help, uh, don't be ashamed. It's, it's rough. Yeah. That's good. I would say millennials get kind of a bad rap, but I would say as a generation, we've kind of done a, a pretty good job at making that less of a, of a taboo in terms of, you know, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Um, and even that you don't, nothing has to be wrong to go talk to a therapist. I mean, you can go do that anytime and it's not, it's not bad. It's not, it shouldn't be frowned upon. And I feel like we've done a, a pretty good job at starting to correct that and make that more, we kind of normalize that. Definitely. I, I completely agree with that. It, it, I think everyone needs therapy. I'm like, I don't care what field you're in. I don't I don't care what you do, who you are, where you come from. It helps you a lot. You need to be in a good place mentally. I mean, that's definitely something on all sorts of platforms uh, today that it's starting to really be addressed is you, you need to be in a good place mentally, even if it just comes down to being a healthy person. The longer you're in a place where you're not in a, in a mental state that uh, is healthy, um, the harder it is to come out of. And that's, mm. I think, true for anybody. And it's it's hard to slow down and put things on pause in order to take care of that. But in the long run, it'll be a lot, you'll be a lot better for it. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Our society is is doing a good job in that area. If, if no, no other areas, they're doing a good job in that area. <laughs> 
Well, that's perfect. Yeah. I was going to ask you, taking it kind of a, a different direction, uh, just kind of a, an easier one. Uh, do, you, do you have a favorite song you like to perform live? Obviously, I'm sure you, you like all your music, but I know like you know a lot of artists have like a favorite song. And if you don't, do you have one that's kind of a fan favorite that, that gets a lot of reaction when you perform it? Yeah, it depends on the environment. It's a hard one. I would say the one that gets people's attention the most is a song called He Loves to Make Me Cry. And it's one of those, it's very soulful. Mm. I can just belt the song and, you know, it grabs people's attention. Often, though, my favorite songs to play are songs that uh, are a lot more intimately emotional, I guess. Corny as it sounds. I love playing, like, Landslide, Hallelujah. Songs that have stood the test of time because they are so vulnerable. I'd say those are some of my favorites to play, personally. Yeah, I like to play things that are unexpected, because growing up on a, a very wide variety of music, I mean, you have the disco, the funk, the classic rock, punk. You ever cover Michael Jackson, like acoustically? Yep, I'm proud to say that I am 99% sure that I have covered more Michael Jackson on live radio across Texas than any other artist in country music. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I go into the country stations and I ask if I can play Michael Jackson. The cool ones say yes. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Yeah, I'll play the uh, disco and phone covers. I'll I'll do whatever. I if I can connect with somebody by playing a song they love and I can deliver that, then uh, I'm all in. And since I grew up playing by ear, if I'm familiar with a melody of a song, they can say, "Hey, I want to hear this song." Be like, "Okay, well, I've never played that before, but I'll play it." And I'll Google the lyrics, figure out the key roughly try to make this all happen rather quickly and then play the song form having never played it before and those are either the most magical moments or just the worst moments ever because either it goes really well or every once in a while it's just like yep that was a bad idea (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome well i want to give you a chance here now that we're kind of coming to the end of our time if you have given how much we've talked about just your passion for spreading messages and kind of connecting with people. We can offer you only a very small amount of people at this point, but I'm wondering if there's any message you'd like to leave our listeners with. I always say I don't know how people go throughout life without having or knowing their purpose. And to me, that's not just a career or I guess a passion of theirs. It's more knowing the purpose behind it. So as a person of faith, I I see that as, as my purpose and music is merely my outlet to be able to uh, deliver that. So I just, I want people to know that they have a purpose. Um, I don't want to push it on anybody, but I do want to make it known to them that they have a purpose. And I believe that God put us here for a reason. And every day when you wake up, don't wonder if you have a purpose, that it's it's very evident all around us that, that you do. You're here for a big reason. And so yeah, I guess that would be, that would be it. Just remember your purpose. Mm. I think we can both give a hearty amen to that. Where can uh, the people find you if they want to, you got your EP coming out. I'm sure you do all kinds of stuff on social media, all that good stuff. Where do you want to point people uh, if they want to know more about you after they hear this? That's a good question. Um, It's all over. I mean, the EP is coming out November 2nd, so... It, it's on its way. <laughs> Go like it on Instagram, Facebook, and then once it's once it's up, it'll be on Spotify. But, of course, you can go to juliahatfield.com, but I mean, who uses websites anymore? Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing all of that with us. That's perfect. Yeah, I, I feel like all of a sudden I just went really deep, you know, three quarters of the way into that, so I apologize. <laughs> 
<laughs> this show has a tendency to do that somehow. It really does, weirdly. Like the the one that we just recorded, right? We were like, uh, hey, let's talk about uh, Supernatural. TV shows are fun. Let's talk about our, our deep presiding parental issues. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yeah. It happens. It's good, good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Julia. We appreciate it. Well, she really carried that show. I guess the boys wanted an episode off. Let's see how they do without her. Thank you once again to Julia Hatfield for coming on and sharing so much of her story with us. That was really, really awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know how it was for you, James, but I honestly wasn't 100% sure what we were going to get bringing Julia on. No, me neither. It's yeah. been so long since I've seen her. So I, I'm very, very happy with the results. I was glad that she was so candid with us. And I think she's given yes. me uh, quite a bit of ideas for topics that we can springboard off of in the future. Great. Okay. Yeah. No, I would say it's been, we probably haven't seen Julia in three, four years. Yeah. For the record, we, we all competed in, in a speech and debate league back in high school. That's how we know Julia. Vicious competitors. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what she's, yeah, she's still upset that I beat her at the national championship. But maybe <laughs> one day she'll forgive me. One day. But check out the EP, the official, I guess, release, electronic release of the album itself and where it's going to be sold will be November 2nd. Once again, just great to have uh, Julia on the show. Absolutely. I think that's really all we have for wrap-up. We forewent our usual tick game just for this episode. Figured we wouldn't subject Julia to that. But it'll be back. Also, I feel like we did... Well, I was going to say I think we did pretty well. But honestly, most of what we were doing this time was just, you know, trying to ask Julia as many questions as we could think of. So it, it, our job was easier this week, I think. Just pivoted all the pressure onto poor Julia. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. We'll put you on the hot seat. Yep. Just note that any future guest, yeah, we expect you to do the majority of the work. Yep. Correct. <laughs> sit here and grill you. Yeah. I think we had a few here and there. We'll, we'll just say that I won since you won last week. So I think we're, we're officially. Ah, uh, I will not accept that. You just said, ah. Uh, so we're tied. That's, and I didn't no, have any text. So that. I'm not even going to. Absolutely not. Okay, well, I won this week. Let us know, comment what you want us to win so we can have more motivation. Yes, please. Because even though I won, I don't get you. All I have is my relentless competitiveness to drive me. (laughs) That's about right. If you want to follow me on social media and see all the various stuff that I'm up to, you can go to commoncandor.com slash QIRE. You'll see all of my stuff there. The show, of course. I usually say that first, but I guess it's out of order this week or this month. Man, I always get. Do you do that too, where you always want to say week, but it's actually a monthly show? I think that's so. a foreshadowing. Once one of these days, <sighs> when when uh, we get some more viewers and some of that sweet sweet money, we can give you all episodes every week. No, your real tick is exactly what you just did, which is calling our listeners viewers. That's not a tick. That's just <laughs> a mistake. I'm calling it a tick. It's a it's a mistake tick. I mean, I still already won. But... Whatever. Anyway. If you want to follow the show, we are at 000podcast on every social media platform known to man. Please don't look that up. I swear to God it's true. And if you really trusted me, you would just take my word for it. (laughs) Fastest growing army. Yeah, not at all. James, where can the people find you? I'm at Real James King. If you want to see my biannual posts on Instagram or watch cringy memes on Snapchat at Real James King and for both those platforms. Beautiful. I think that's all we have. Of course, uh, like James mentioned, all of Julia Hatfield's 
social media is linked in the show notes. So definitely check that out. Give her all the support you can. Make it worthwhile for her to have indulged us in our constant question asking. I think it's only appropriate, given that she was our guest tonight, that uh, we we say goodnight to Julia, yeah? I think that uh, that sounds fair to me. Goodnight, Julia Julia Hadfield. Poorly. This concludes our broadcast day. Good night, and God bless America. God made you special, and he loves you very much. much. Goodbye. Goodbye.